0: Hello and welcome to the Overland Journal Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Brady. I'm with my co host Matt Scott and it is twenty twenty one.
1: Which was which was initially promised to be better. Than 2020, but I do have my reservations.
0: (laughs) Things are already off to an interesting start. Hold my beer, watch this. (laughs) This is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about 2020 and the things that we liked, uh, maybe the things that we didn't like, uh, some of the changes in the industry. So this is going to be our 2020 recap, which is cool. which Which I think
1: will be really great. I mean, there's a lot of positive things that happened in 2020 and let's just focus on those.
0: And a special thanks to Danner Boots, who is supporting this episode today. Danner's new Logger 917 was inspired by the classic pattern and lines of Danner's original cocked logging boots made in the Pacific Northwest. They're built with Danner's trusted quality and durability. The Logger 917 is designed to ensure you're comfortable and dry wherever your adventure takes you, even if it includes a little bit of recovery along the way. With a Gore-Tex waterproof liner and a Vibram SPE rubberized EVA midsole, the Logger 917 offers performance, waterproofing, and lightweight comfort, all in a rugged yet refined style. Thanks, Danner.
1: You know, I think, I think 2020 was the year where Overlanding really kind of started to take the main stage. And I think the cool thing, both from an industry perspective and a media perspective was that, you know, it persevered through all of the drama and all of the things that weren't so great about 2020. You know, we still saw so many people getting out, so many people getting into Overlanding, you know, whether that was be- because they couldn't get out and and fly to, I don't know, anywhere, <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was cool. I mean, I I, I think 2020, 20- 2020 is where we saw manufacturers really OE level, you know, auto manufacturers kind of get into the Overland game. You know, we saw Bronco unveiled this year right. by the Defender. And I guess technically the like Gladiator's is a 2020 model year. It's It, it was a fascinating year. We saw a lot of innovation in the industry this year and also yeah. a lot of kind of, you know, continued Alibaba overland, as I call it. Let's just slap a name on some stuff we find on Alibaba and call ourselves a business. But inevitable. But
0: but you know. even beyond that, which it, which is, and of course the, the Alibaba overland thing is a problem because these products aren't vetted in the field. There's not a lot of testing behind them. Um, they tend to catabolize innovation because they look at someone else's good idea and then they just make it. Cheaper, which of course you can make it cheaper if you don't have to design it and take all the risk to see if it's going to work in the market. Uh, so yeah, maybe we won't dwell on that too much, or maybe that's another podcast. That's probably another podcast for the future. But 2020, the things, some of the things that I liked about 2020 was overlanding was a way for people to get out. It was a way for people to have experiences um, that maybe didn't include them flying to Europe. That they were gonna hop in their Forerunner, yeah. or maybe buy a trailer or buy a roof. I mean, tank. RV sales went through
1: the roof, crazy. I mean, I, I want to say it I, at its peak, four wheel campers was a year, maybe two years out. That's right. Um, you know, I know Earth Roamers two years out.
0: Yes. It's it's crazy. Yeah, Um, But it also makes sense. It's the way to socially distance. It's reminding people that, Hey, I'm stuck at home. One of the greatest ways that I can have a beautiful experience is to go out in the outback, which of course, as travelers, we all have responsibilities to minimize our impact. So when we're camping now and we see that there's a lot of trash left behind from the campers before us, let's take another couple minutes and let's clean that campsite up. Let's try to put it in a spot that's better than where we found it. Um, I'm finding that I'm needing to bring extra trash bags because every time I go camping, I'm cleaning up a lot of, a lot of things uh, that I'm finding. out There were so
1: the many people, you know, on, on the trails and, 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 camping this year. I mean, obviously there was only there's only a few select places that you could go based on the time of year that you're going. You know, we, we spent some time in Colorado this summer and we gave up. Yeah. Take it how you will, but we, we just went and stayed in a hotel because our, our, our first night it was like, the crown VIX, legitimate crown VIX that were going up four wheel drive trails, just, you know, skinny pedal to the metal so they could get to the campsite. It it was really busy. And, and I think not to get on a tangent, but the land managers, whether that's forest service, BLM, you know, those types of folks, I feel like they're, they're almost being a little bit slow to react to overlanding. and, And I hope that there are some more plans in place. I mean, if anybody out there is listening to this, that, you know i'm sure we we would love to help but i think the days of just being able to head in a direction and find a great campsite well i'm finding now there's 5 or 10 people at that campsite and they all don't know proper etiquette they don't know tread lightly practices yep so like you said picking up after them is 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 the short term solution how do we come to a to a more long term you know solution because if this industry doubles again and yep. next year those campsites are even more busy you know does it hit a critical mass where People just start to not want to go
0: or things start to get shut down. And that's um, we've learned that throughout the decades, even starting from the four wheeling side, is that the best people to police a situation like this is ourselves. And if we all just take responsibility for the fact of if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go. Let's maybe go a little further. Let's avoid the really popular campsites. If you're on iOverlander and you're traveling, don't just immediately default to the iOverlander campsite that you see in the app. Because maybe someone with a lot less skill than you needs that campsite. So those of us that have traveled a lot, and that includes many of the listeners of this podcast, let's go a little bit more remote and then let's be very gentle on these locations that we visit. Let's be really mindful of not putting in a fire pit if there isn't one already there. Let's clean up the campsites. Let's put our vehicles into four-wheel drive so that way we're minimizing a damage to the trail. Like you said, the skinny pedal with the Crown Vic. Um, we have the tools, many of us, that we can drive slower, um, less wheel spin, be really mindful of the campsite. So I think that that's certainly a lesson learned from 2020 is that overlanding is exploding in popularity and because of that usage is going way up. So let's do what we can, all of us, to improve the the nature of those campsites. So I'm going to change the subject. Yeah. What was your favorite truck of 2020 that you drove? Oh, my favorite truck. I'm kind of focusing on something that is new. If I was going to say my favorite vehicle that I've driven so far this year, it's been this diesel original Brute, the OG Brute from Oh, a, Mr. AEV. McMod's yeah, Brute, so yeah. Mike McMod, a friend of both Matt and I, longtime member of the community. He's been involved with Overland International for well over a decade, and he has this Cummins-powered- It's the only diesel
1: AEV-built diesel TJ Brute. Yeah. It's really cool. He's amazing. He's the
0: guy I want to be when I grow up. I mean, <laughs> no, I don't want to grow up. <laughs> But you know I think I think Mike struck that balance well of like growing up and not growing up at the same time which yeah. is really awesome. That's something we all aspire to. But so probably the one that brought me the most smiles has been that brute. But if I was to think about new trucks that have come onto the market in 2020, I just really want to focus on this Diesel Gladiator not because I think it is the absolute best mid midsize truck for overlanding, although it is arguably so. I just love the fact that Jeep has released a Rubicon. It's so Jeep. cool. It's so cool. Jeep pickup with a diesel motor. Uh, I drove it on a long trip through New Mexico and, and I was just so impressed with the capability and the comfort on the highway. And then I actually picked up that AEV Jeep in New Mexico and I towed it back behind the Gladiator on a flatbed. The fact that, you have a vehicle with that breadth of capability, and I'm speaking to the choir here because you own a Gladiator. But I just love the fact that we can get solid axle Dana 44 diff lock four to one transfer case diesel motor Jeep pickup in 2021. I mean, it's that's really ama- cool.
1: It's amazing. It's that's like amazing. we've somehow gone back in time, but then forward in time. Yeah, you know. So I great. mean, I, I I love my Gladiator. I have. 20, 22,000 miles on it now. Honestly, it's a car that we kind of just, that's road trips and that's adventure miles is the way I would call it. You know, there's probably 4,000 of those miles and, you know, are on dirt, if not more. I haven't had a check engine light. Yeah, it's a really good vehicle. There's no squeaks. (laughs) (laughs) Just, I mean, I I don't want to say that it's better than Toyota build quality, because that is a very, very bold statement. But they've somehow managed with their vehicles to mix progressive design that's still practical. Yeah, You know, that, that vehicle is really nice inside, but I can still wipe the interior down. I can still get it wet.
0: It still feels like a tool for travel, which so many of these new vehicles feel like a luxury sedan with four wheel drive capability. hundred percent. And I really like that about the Gladiator. I really like the fact that it is so purposeful. And to your point about Toyota, I think that Toyota still builds the highest quality trucks, but they have reliable for sure. Yeah. They have lagged in some of the innovation and robustness and they've lagged in payload and hopefully Toyota responds to that. I suspect they will. But.
1: If, if Toyota was lagging behind and leaving us with like a 70 series, like true rugged yeah. old school kind of capability, that'd be great. But you know, they've left us with the Tacoma came out in 2006 and yeah. they put a different body on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty much the same. The, the Tundra came out in 2007. They put a new grill on it, yeah, and some fenders. There's there's something to that. I think for for travelers, there's there's a benefit to time tested technology. But I I just have to say that they're just outdated now. Like I I I would love to consider Toyota. Yeah, I have a Land Cruiser. I I love my Toyota stuff. The most significant travels I've done in my life have always been in Toyotas for a reason. But would I buy a Toyota in America right now? And they're discontinuing the Land Cruiser?
0: Yeah. Okay. Hopefully that whatever Land Cruiser comes next is going to be amazing. Um, But speaking of innovation, I think one of the things that Matt and I wanted to kind of compliment the industry on this year is just the rate of innovation and the number of new products that are coming to market that are extremely high quality. The fact that you can send a Dodge Ram to AEV and go pick up something that is ready to go around the world that's i think very significant the new earth cruiser for example a, a lot of the quality tents and materials that are coming out of africa and other countries and even the united states you know the go fast campers all of that yeah. stuff is a rate of innovation that we've not seen before and a lot of these new products are super high quality it's fascinating i mean there's a lot there's
1: a lot going on in the industry right now and you know i wish these guys the best because if we don't innovate we don't
0: push forward yeah um and as consumers, if we don't spend a little bit more money and buy it from the one who thought of the idea or who perfected the idea, then if we just buy just the cheap variant of that. then I mean, I'm biased on that one, but... Yeah. <laughs> but it's so true. If you take away, I mean, obviously the knockoff is cheaper because they don't have any of the expense of engineering and R&D and market tests and everything else. So we should, as consumers, I think it's a part of our responsibility as travelers is to is to focus on the high quality gear. Cause then someone who's new to the industry, they come in, they see like, oh, this is what these people are using. And then that means uh, that's probably what I should buy. So I think we have some responsibility to weed out the chaff right
1: yeah yeah
0: there's always going
1: to be the good better best thing yeah. that happens but there what to your point of there being a lot of innovation there's also a lot of copycat going yeah. on we can sit here and blame the chinese Yeah. But I will tell you that there is an American that is actually facilitating that. It's always funny, like with the roof tents, because I've actually been to some of the factories in China that make these roof tents, that make Yakima's roof tents, that make a lot of companies roof tents. Like Sunday Camper probably makes half of them. And you read these marketing descriptions, tested in the wilds of this, inspired by this. I'm like, no, dude, what you actually did is you, you selected a tick box for this many grams per square meter canvas for this, for the walls. And you selected this, and then they give you a little 12 by 12 place to put your logo. And it's just funny how many people are purely based on marketing, paying more money for what is legitimately the same quality product. Just go on Alibaba and buy it.
0: Yeah. Cause it'll be cheaper.
1: <laughs> like there's literally a new company that's out now that their catalog, like they haven't innovated on anything. They just go to Alibaba, put their name on it. I mean, I don't want to say that they're lying to the consumers, but you read their, <laughs> you read their product descriptions and you're like, hmm. hmm. It's funny that four other companies sell that exact same tent, but yeah, you're
0: claiming that it's this and that. and Whereas if you sit down and have dinner with, the owner of easy on yeah. and you hear about where this guy has been in the world and where his father has been in the world with their product um, and that they make, they make it themselves. Um, anyways, I, I'm not. I don't want us to focus on the negative and and just highlight maybe the exceptions. But as consumers, and that's part of the growth of the industry, is there's a lot of product development. Let's do our research yeah. into where we should really. But spend people are running. doing that,
1: and there's a lot of there's a lot of mindful travelers out there. I mean, yep. you know, GoFast Campers released their new ultralight. I, I want to say it's called the ultralight version um, two, yeah, version two, and it's probably sold out. I mean, every, everything they do is sold out. I mean, yeah. so that's proof that there are people that are supporting, you know, innovative American manufacturing. And and, and I think that that's great. Totally. We got off topic. We totally I want to talk about my favorite truck. Yeah. Do of 2020 Ram TRX. It's awesome. 702 horsepower.
0: <laughs> do you need that for overlanding? No. Do you want it? <laughs> Absolutely. It's yeah. almost like you want to tint the windows so no one sees you driving it, but you really want to drive it. <laughs> I, I don't
1: even think that. I mean, I, I, that's me.
0: <laughs> that,
1: that, that's me because I would totally drive one of those. But uh. yeah, that that was a, a fascinating thing to me because it's just interesting to see these luxury technologies and these advanced power plants become reliable enough to where you could actually consider taking them on a trip. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason you couldn't take a TRX around the world. Yeah. I mean, that was that was pretty amazing. I had right? that truck airborne like multiple times. Like it wasn't a press launch where you were like, okay, we're going to put you in the right seat with this Professional driver who knows his marks exactly. They were just sending journalists who respectfully don't always know how to drive as well as they think they do. Probably yeah. myself included. And they're just letting them go, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it survived it. And it survived. Yeah, wave after wave. It was really cool. And then there were some significant SUVs that came out this
0: year. Yeah, for sure. You know,
1: we were we started twenty twenty in Namibia. with the new Defender. I mean, that's my favorite SUV of 2020. You know, you kind of talked about AEV being somebody that you can send a vehicle off and it's, you know, ready to drive around the world. You can get that from a Land Rover dealer now. And I think that that's really cool. You can get a shower built in. You can get an air compressor built in. You can have your roof tent, roof rack, snorkel, truthfully, everything that you need to go around the world integrated into your car. And I think that's really cool. It does seem, unfortunately, that they're having some reliability issues with that car. Yeah. I, I want it, I want it to succeed. They're, you know, the Land Rover folks are so nice and they put a lot of work into into that car. And I think it's important to recognize that the the rules that we may have here, they're a global brand. They have to integrate safety regulations for the European Union, for the United Kingdom, for the US, for for many different markets. So it was never gonna be a box
0: like the old Defender was. And part of the problem, I think, with hating on a vehicle like that is that it, it automatically removes innovation from the marketplace. It removes competition. And that's if we talk about like the Tacoma, for example. Uh, it was because it didn't have competition. Now that there is the bison, yeah, and there's the gladiator and the ranger keeps getting better and, and a people new people still buy Tacomas and the new Rangers coming out. That will force Toyota to address a bunch of those issues in the next iteration. And that is, I think, really positive. So before someone says, Oh, the defender this or reliability that, take it for what it is and the innovation that it includes and see how that will help leapfrog yeah. the industry. When I look at the biggest
1: people that are talking smack about the defender. There's this part of me that can't help but to think they're doing it because they know it's controversial. Yeah, and they just want to stir the pot yeah. so they can I don't know get, get some more views. Instagram Chuck E. Cheese yeah. tokens or something. Yeah, sure. Um, a lot of people haven't actually driven this vehicle, and Land Rover is selling every single one that they can get. So yep. congratulations to them. My experience has been that it is class leading comfort, class leading capability for what it is. The breadth of capability is right? it's huge. Yeah, it's, huge. it's
0: really notable. So for me, I'm, I've got like the literally the antithesis of the Defender. I'm going to stick with that 200 series Land Cruiser.
1: Well, because you you actually use your stuff. Well, I don't know. Well, you can never go wrong
0: with a Land Cruiser. Yeah. that's the deal, though, right? Like, it just it just feels like that. I'm so grateful that vehicle is still here, and of course, it's going away. And I suspect that Toyota, because of their lineage with Land Cruiser, they're going to come out with another really great car. I'm excited about the 200; that it's still available. You can still get a. A body on frame, super heavy duty SUV with a proper payload and lots of aftermarket support, yeah. and go and leave and drive it around the world. Um, and for me, I'm excited to see what they come up with next. So the 200 series won our Overland Journal SUV of the Year. 100% believe it deserved that. Uh, the reliability it, it is does. exceptional. So. It's just been out since I was 17. Yeah, I know. That's, that's so a it's hard for
1: me to kind of yeah. like,
0: no, I get it. Look get at it.
1: like the, what would that be? iPod.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> it is like the yeah, or like the Walkman. Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> but sometimes it
0: works. Sometimes yeah, it works. No, and it really and it really does. So. There's been a
1: lot of innovation in camper trailers. Mm-hmm campers this year i have to say like i was able to check out a an earth roamer lti those things are crazy all new carbon fiber bodies that's probably my my favorite of 2020 um, and what do you like most about the earth roamer it's an all-in-one system i'm lucky enough to have a have yeah. one i mean it's 10 years old but i you know that a lot of the systems are kind of similar so understanding where they came from and understanding what the lti is the, the biggest problem that the earth roamer has in my opinion is weight they're very very heavy so they went to lithium batteries they went to the you know the carbon fiber body and instead of i want to say before it was like a fiberglass with like a balsa core which which was fine it was very durable for travel i think just lightness will make the experience better everything's tweaked a little bit you know it's you put them next to each other and maybe you wouldn't recognize huge differences, but you know, talking with people that have them, they just say that they can go longer and they can go further and it's more comfortable. Not that the old ones were terrible. Yeah. Um, it, it's just, it's cool to see something innovation that didn't necessarily have to happen because again, that's one of those products where they sell every single one that they can, they make, Yep. you know, used values on earth roamers go up. Yep. Because there's so much demand. So they didn't really have to mess with it. And and I think it, it's, it's cool to see people just constantly pushing that bar forward.
0: And I think also the fact that Bill Swales, who runs Earthroamer, I remember reading his stories in Four Wheeler in the early 2000s. And he had his own camper made and he learned a lot from that. And then I've been with... The big earth roamers. We've gone all the way down to Panama with them. They're really impressive, and the fact that this many years in, they still have kind of an ethos around them being capable. Yeah, Uh, they were one of the first to go with the Kelderman suspension and the forty-one inch Continentals, and all of that really does improve the capability of that. They're impressive trucks for sure. What's
1: your what's your favorite? kind of a new camper set up for
0: 2020. So for me, and I'm coming across totally as the Luddite in this conversation, which is so funny. So um, I like this new Scout. Camper. Oh, those are really cool. Yeah. They have one that's called the Kenai that's just coming to market. I'll explain why I like the camper. First of all, it is very light for what it is. And the second thing is, is it's extremely simple and minimalist for what it is. So you get, in my opinion, the things that a camper should always have. If you're going to strap a camper to the back of your truck, it might as well have a place to go to the bathroom and it might as well have a place to take a shower. Otherwise, why not just use a roof tent or just just camp, right? So I think that there are some things that really make sense for having a camper on the back of your truck. But what I like about the Scout is the fact that it doesn't have any plumbing going through it at all. Fascinating. None. It has, it uses a lifeline Jerry can, lifesaver, life blue, blue things, Yeah. lifesaver yeah, Jerry can, which is a great product. It leaks all the time. <laughs> oh, does it? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that maybe the way they've got it positioned, because they've got it like, I with, the, have a with the cap up, uh, but you can pressurize it, um, which gives you then pressure for the sink. And there's just no plumbing to fail in the whole thing, which is in my experience with campers, that's what plumbing fails, electrical systems fail. Well, and when it's cold outside as well, like yep. those, those are the things that you
1: have to then have a bigger battery pack because then you have to heat it. Yep.
0: Or, and then the or battery small. system, the entire electrical system, two wires connect it from your your main charger or your dual battery system. It's a big goal zero pack, and it has its own built-in inverter, lithium-ion battery, 12-volt outlets, USB-C. It all plugs into the one unit. If something goes wrong, you replace the unit. There's not a whole bunch of systems to work on and to integrate. In my mind, I like the fact that the camper is spacious. It has the key features that you need. It's lightweight, and it should be very, very reliable. And that's completely enclosed. It is.
1: yeah, th- I, I'm not knocking on pop-up campers. Um, but they I have much, their place, for sure. They have their place. Um, but the idea of a lightweight, simple, hard-shell camper is yep. really attractive.
0: Yeah, for me, it'll be my my version of, a, of an Earth Roamer I if, can, I ever, I, I, if I ever got one. I, I, I can carry the wine for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, and, and along that line, I'm really interested in the full-size trucks. I think that the full-size trucks have merit in the space, and we don't have a lot of experience with them. So I I have ordered a diesel GMC just to try something totally different. Yep. Um, no, com- this will be your first like
1: American pickup. It truck. will
0: it will be, and no commentary on it yet because I haven't tested it and I don't know how it's going to work. Uh, but it has uh, the little diesel engine in it, and it's their AT4 package. So let's see how that goes. Uh, I think it's really important for us to start to get into the full sizes because it's definitely the the direction that a lot of the market's going. I mean, the payload requirements
1: of most US based travelers just dictate that that's where things have to go. Yeah. I mean Tacoma's, man, I mean, I like, I have so much respect for the Tacoma. Of course. But it's just such an easy target because yeah. it is not class leading in anything. Yeah. Um, other than reliability. Other yeah. than reli- the, the one thing that actually matters in the aftermarket. But yeah. Um, Motorcycles. Let's t- let's talk bikes. So you were in Africa with with your favorite, I w- your favorite moto.
0: I was. I have since the Triumph twelve hundred XC launched. I have like had lust for this motorcycle. And Triumph of S- South Africa was so generous to let me just give me the keys to a bike and head off to Swaziland. So I did that with some buddies of mine in South Africa um, from Bonafide Moto, and we just went loaded up a bunch of scramblers, rode to Swaziland, and It was really an amazing motorcycle. It's everything that I want a bike to be. It's got a lot of character. It's a classic looking bike. It looks good. Like, it looks like a Scotty bike. Yeah, totally. And then it's got nine inches of suspension travel. So for me, that's definitely the bike. In fact, I plan to buy one this year because it's just, I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. How about you? Man, like... I, I'm, I'm weird with adventure bikes. I
1: love my 950, but I really emphasize lightweight. I think that that's, that's super important. And I kind of delineate between street bikes and off-road bikes. And my dream bike right now is the KTM 450 Rally Replica. I know that that's a competition motorcycle but like you see what these things do in the Dakar and they're just cool. And so we're just talking about cool stuff, right? right, Like, so for me, the coolest thing is this 450 rally replica. They're just over 300 pounds. They have huge fuel range, huge performance, lightweight, you know, KTM cone valve suspension. Like they have all of the cool guy stuff that I, I kind of scratched the surface in terms of actually knowing what to do with it. That's my dream bike. I'm, I'm really trying to find one because the cool thing is while this is like the most expensive dirt bike money can buy, it's, like also the price of a base 1200 gs right so when you i don't know when i look at things that way do i want the 500 pound
0: 600 pounds
1: <laughs> I was trying. To, I was trying to be nice, man. Yeah. Um, or, or do I do I want something that has more performance and half the weight? I don't necessarily care about you know radar cruise control and, and some of those things. Um, I, I would in twenty twenty one. I would love to find a way to get on a trip on one of these things because I just have to think they're that perfect blur between performance and travel. Um, there's a really cool guy, Lyndon Poskett races to places that travels all, all over the world on these types of bikes. Um, I want to say his bike, Basel bike, um, is a 690 rally, but if you're curious about what adventure riding can be for people that are more biased towards off-road, he's a really cool guy to check out. He's done Dakar multiple
0: times. I mean, legit rider. Sure. Yeah. People got to check that out because lighter and less is always more as we talk about. So That's a cool bike. Maybe you'll find one. I hope so. I hope. So tell me about your favorite vehicle accessories for last year. If if we're going off of what my dog likes, which is what I have to like. Um, this little greyhound
1: running around here. Goose gear seat delete that we put in the the gladiator. Awesome. We put all of his food underneath. It gives us kind of stacked storage in that back seat. And for gladiator people with dogs, like the the cab is massive on that thing. Once you take the the seat out, because they obviously have to have the you know kind of that reclined sure. seat. So you end up with a square usable space. That's been greater than the we did the 60 or the 70% seat delete, we ended up actually buying the 30% seat delete that just came in. And uh, we're just going to get rid of everything in the back because it's just so much more efficient. Yeah,
0: and um, just gives you that extra storage capacity. Yeah,
1: and, and I also I also messed around with the <clears throat> new um, red arc manager and red vision system. Put that in the gladiator because kind of building that into into more of a you know serious camper in the back converted it to lithium to try and save some weight. And boy, that thing charges so quick. Nice. It just, it works a hundred percent of the time. Um, with the Red Vision system, I can go on my phone and I just disconnect every accessory. So it's kind of like an S-pod on steroids. If I if I had any complaint for it, it's definitely currently too biased towards camper trailers. And I think if I had, if I had any critique for Red Arc, it's a great product. They need like a light version or vehicle car-based overlanders that aren't building a caravan or something like that. I want to say it has like six different water tank inputs, which take up a significant space on this unit itself. I mean, for the people that are watching, I think it's, it's probably that long. Yeah. If you're watching on YouTube, it's, it's over a foot in length and they really could pare that down. I think by the time you do the manager system and the red vision system, it is, it's a substantial amount of stuff Yeah. with the gladiator. I was kind of able to hide it around my drawer system. So it worked out just fine. Um, but those in that have a little bit more space constraint might have an issue, but it works great. I love it. It's so cool to be able to just turn everything off on your vehicle. Yeah. I have my, you know, and I can, I can selectively turn things on on my phone and turn my cell phone
0: booster on, turn my fridge on when I need it, turn my heater on. Or even from in bed in the camper, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a big exactly. deal. So, yeah, that's nice um, to be able to check up on stuff when you're sleeping. Yeah. Cool. What about you? What, what What's your, you know, <laughs> I want to say Max Trax and I just don't. It sounds I just so cheesy. I know. I'm, that, I'm, I'm the Max Trax I dude. know. So full disclosure on the Max tracks thing, but just this week we had this, Great storm in Prescott like and over a foot of snow in yeah, Arizona, a- almost two feet at my house. And I'm driving around this awesome brute because it's the one vehicle that I have that can do all of the snow. And so all of it, yeah, exactly. So I put, all I did was just put a set of max tracks in the back. And then um, a friend of mine, her elderly mom got stranded in her driveway and Brian or who works with overland journal. He goes out and rescues her with max tracks. He gets home. The UPS guy is stuck on the road, he rescues the UPS guy with Max Tracks. So <laughs> full disclosure, Matt imports Max Tracks. So disregard everything I just said, if you choose to, but um, that is again, one of the most useful things that you can buy. And it doesn't cost that much money compared to a lot of accessories. Uh, but beyond that, I would say that the thing that's most impressed me this year is the ARB Old Man EMU BP51 suspension system. I'll be really specific about why I like it. Um, there are two reasons. First of all, it doesn't make any noise. The the bushings and everything, the connection points are all highly durable. They're not designed for racing where they're going to be rebuilt that's, that's after so every trip. Huge, yeah. So they it doesn't make any noise. It's super quiet in the Lexus. The other thing that I like about it is you can adjust both compression and rebound. And then there is internal bypass as well. So throughout the stroke, you end up in the midline where you're just kind of running down the road in that middle 30%. It's super soft valving and it's really comfortable. But if you have a G out or large event, the bypass can ramp up the, or restrict the fluid flow and really adjust uh, for those larger events and impacts. And I really like being able to adjust for rebound. I like to have a relatively soft compression to get full use out of the suspension travel. But then I do like to ramp up rebound a little bit so that it gives me better control yeah. over the car. So the fact that you can adjust both of those, it's a high quality component, really good coatings and stuff like that. So the BP51 yeah. is my it's, choice. It's, for it's, it's super nice yeah. just to see somebody
1: looking at the market and recognizing that people want blingy shocks, whether yeah. they I have Kings on all of my cars and I, I love them to death, but you know one of them's currently being rebuilt. You know They're, they're a race shock yeah. in a street application. So it's nice to see that same technology brought over to something or an overlander that's going to be putting serious miles on. Yep. Kudos to ARB on that.
0: Yeah. The first time that I used BP-51s on a long trip, I drove from Brisbane all the way to Perth Yeah, um, in a 70 series with those on it, pulling a trailer. And it was just, they never faded. They never failed. I mean, abusive corrugations. They're made for Australian conditions and they're made for travelers. So in that regard, I think it's a positive thing. All right. Talk about your uh, favorite mode accessory. Do you have one? I'll be honest. I
1: didn't really ride adventure bikes in 2020. I messed around in my yard on trials bikes. So,
0: (laughs) so trials uh, bikes.
1: Yeah. So, so buy a trials bike. If you want to learn how to ride, I'm I'm not somebody that has ridden my entire life. You know, it's just a hobby for me that I kind of picked up. And I will just say that in terms of learning how to ride, it's just been fascinating to, to really get into trials over the last few years. So so I don't really have any adventure moto accessories. That's a
0: a good point though. I remember when I was trying to learn how ride the 950 before I went and did the Transamerica Trail, got training from our mutual friend, yeah, Tim, Tim, Tim Hilsamer. Oh, and this guy, he's an amazing rider. He said, all right, no problem when you do the training, but you got to follow the program. I said, nope, no big deal. And we get out there and he unloads this trials bike. And he says, you're not going to get on the KTM 950 until you can ride this thing. Yeah. So we did loops and figure eights and slow speed stuff up ledges. And until he felt like I had body mechanics and some bount- Now, of course, I was still an amateur. But until I reached a certain level of expectation that he had on the trials bike, I didn't even move to the big bike. So you're, you're right. Maybe that is a great accessory is start small, start small. And you can and get trials bikes for like two or
1: three grand. I mean, yeah. I know people that spend more on tour tech panniers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I think the moto accessory accessory for me, I really believe in high quality gear when you're riding. And I love this ether um, adventure motorcycle jacket. They call it their e- Expedition. But I like the fact that it doesn't have a liner. It's Gore-Tex type material. It has big vents. It also doesn't look like you're a spaceman. Um, So I like the fact that it's really understated, understated color tones. I use that jacket all the way throughout South America on my last trip there. And it's just a, it's just the jacket I keep going back to. So I really like that coat. I really like the aesthetic of the ether stuff. I think that's how you pronounce it. I think that's the whole
1: point of that name is that it's a little bit hard to pronounce. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have any personal experience with it, but I can say that it looks really good. Yeah, and I think does. that that's important. It is. You know? Yeah, it is. Because everybody, everybody looks like a stormtrooper on an adventure bike. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> you don't have to, yeah, you don't have to look like you're it's like invading the, their country. The, 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 the climb brigade <laughs> is coming by. Now there's a reason why everybody's wearing climb, including myself. Um, but it's just nice to have, have something options. different. Yeah, yeah. Something
0: different. Yeah. But I really like that. Let's talk about gadgets real quick. What's your favorite? So, yeah. Gadget? Let's talk about your, cause you just got that new camera. Yeah. So for me, it's because I love photography. It's my art. Uh, And 2020 was uh, a year that I just didn't get to use as many other gadgets. So I did use my camera a lot. And the a7R4 for me has the image quality that I need for stills. I also used a Hasselblad last year, the XD one, and that was an amazing camera for image quality. but just didn't meet my needs for fast moving objects. Startup time was a little slow and the a7R4 just gives me all the image quality, smaller, more compact overall setup. um, So it fits on a bike. And also I've been using the Zeiss primes and I'm just, I've just really kind of fallen in love with those too. So
1: Sony stuff is just immense. Yeah, like the capability of those sensors. I've never vibed with the ergonomics of them. Yeah, because I'm a but somehow I vibe with the ergonomics of a Leica. Doesn't have any. You have an emotional connection to the. Leica. There's an emotional connection. Sure. there. there's an emotional connection there. I, I don't know what my favorite gadget is. To be honest, I I I've kind of thought about this. It's it's been weird because 2020 is the year where I've traveled the least, and I have to say that. Planning and this, I guess, goes into the, my favorite book of 2020. I have been just sitting, working, doing what I feel that I'm supposed to do, which is trying to stay home and trying to stay distant. And you know, I've become obsessed with this Gaia app. And uh, really good. Like you can, I can plan on you know the computer. I can. It automatically shows up on my phone in the cloud. I can download maps just specifically to the track. It works with Apple CarPlay. I, I got this Milepost book. It's like the the Bible to North Country. Since yeah. 1979, yeah. I, I think it's honestly meant for like retired people in RVs. With the amount of information, so good as planning, somebody that's planning, you know, that Alaska Yukon kind of trip, you get like kilometer by kilometer and mile by mile walkthroughs of, of all this it's stuff. Awesome so book. I've kind of taken taken that and put put that data into Gaia, and that's been something that's I guess kind of keeping me going. You know, hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to do that trip this year. Right. So now what's what's your favorite book that you've read in? 2020. That that you read in 2020. Yeah. Uh,
0: I actually read a lot last year, which I'm grateful for. I, I've listened to a lot of audiobooks through the years, but I've started to just take the time and make the time in my life to read because it's such a foundation of learning. So for me, and also I, I recognize that this is a really challenging year. So I started to dig into things that I wanted to reduce the stress in my life. I wanted to gain some perspective that I had learned so much from in travel so I read this book it's by Ryan Holiday. it's called stillness is the key and it's a volume that's based very much so on the Stoics so it's it's great to listen to as an audiobook I've listened to it several times as an audiobook and I've also read it in print format and it's just a really beautiful volume it talks a lot about Marcus Aurelius the Emperor of Rome and there's a lot of history in there and some of the more significant people from World War II and how they got through these very stressful times. Uh, so I I found that that was just a really a beautiful book to read. I think it prepares us well for travel. And then I really like Vagabonding also by Rolf Potts. I've talked about that a little bit on the podcast, but I read that again this last year and just was uh, again, so taken by his perspective. This is someone who has lived on the road, traveled in, in, and worked in unusual places, taught English in Asia mm. to afford to travel. And he has some great perspective on it. And it's really about... Coming back to the joys of travel and staying away from the stuff and the expense, and if the goal is to travel, there's a way to do it, yeah. and he shows a lot of how to do that. So I really like both of those books. They're a little different, but uh, they're both pretty amazing. I've definitely found myself just diving into travel books. I
1: sit down at night and my mind has to travel. So I've gone through all of my favorite Paul Thoreau
0: books. Oh, nice. Has been
1: one, and you know I have a particular interest in Southeast Asia, so I'd love to read like the history of that. So. A book that was recommended to me was A Bright and Shining Lie by, and now I'm forgetting the guy's name. Put it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. Ra- Sheehan? Oh, gotcha. Neil Sheehan. Gotcha. Neil Sheehan. But it just, it, it it talks about the Vietnam War from a, just a different perspective, from before it was the Vietnam war before, you know, when it was the French, when it was world war II, all the way through the present. And it's just interesting. I think when you travel in a place that has been, I'll say, I don't want to call Vietnam war torn, but it was, yeah. um, it's a lovely place now, but just to, to have more of an understanding as a young person, what happened in very recent history there just provides perspective. And, you know, now I'm excited to go back and to, to see the things that I'm reading more in depth about, And I think that's, that's been, you know, for, Books for me for 2020 were definitely, and still are in 2021. Just how can we figure out more? How can we absorb more
0: from the places that we're going to travel?
1: And that's been a nice thing.
0: Yeah, no, that's a, what a cool book to read. Yeah, we'll we'll put all those volumes in the show notes so people can see what we've been checking out as well. Um, I I also do consume other podcasts at a rapid rate, and there's one that I would like to recommend to everyone, Dr. Peter Atia. You'll find him on any major podcast outlet. Uh, it's the drive and the subjects that he goes into, particularly around health and longevity and lifespan. So being as healthy for as long as possible. Uh, but the subjects that he goes into are amazing and he loves racing. So he's mm. he's a driver. He, he likes cars. He likes great watches. And he's a really interesting person that has incredibly valuable insights towards being a healthier, you know, more active person. So I really like it. I listen to it every time it comes out. And then I guess we can wrap up with uh, who we kind of think, has been the overlander of the year. What an, what an unusual strange year. Cause people aren't necessarily traveling and right. it's, it's, it's interesting to be
1: in a, where you are nominating somebody in a time when they're not necessarily supposed to be traveling. I'm right. not getting into the politics of that, right. but Graham and Louisa Bell, you know, they, yep. they're somebody that, regardless of this year, deserved you know the the award per se. Sure. Um, you know, as you said, they're I mean they're they're on the road right now. They are. And they're quarantining. At, at, they're following the rules, which they I are. think is important.
0: They're they're camping remotely. They're staying out of cities. They are socially distancing in Africa. In Africa. They are following all the rules. They're avoiding the bribes and they're actually getting COVID negative tests before they cross these borders. So they're doing a lot to try to stay on the road. And despite how you may look at it, there is so much to learn from that. So they're really pushing the envelope and they're amazing people and they've driven around the world in a defender with their family and they've raised their kids on the road. So they're just wonderful humans that are kind of pushing the envelope a little bit, which is worth following just for that perspective. Alone.
1: Yeah. yeah, they're, 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 I, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting them in person, but I've chatted with Graham a little bit and on the internet and just super nice people. Yeah. And, but their travels and the books specifically that, you know, that Graham and Louisa have written and yep. authored, definitely worth a look. If you're looking, yeah, sure. if you're looking for that little bit of inspiration to keep you going in 2021, I really, really recommend getting their books because that's
0: a great way to support these travelers on the road and reading more about what they do. And also, we want to just thank all of you as our listeners. 2020 was really the year that we started the Overland Journal podcast. We're now at hundreds of thousands of downloads. And that's because of you, the listener, we really appreciate your feedback, the questions that you send Matt and I, the feedback that you send us. Please send in more questions. We're going to put together an "Ask Me Anything" episode in the next month or so. Uh, that'll allow us to address a lot of the questions that you've been sending. But we appreciate all your feedback, positive and negative. Please let us know if there's ways that we can improve because we want to make we want to improve. Yeah, we want to make this a podcast that the industry is able to be supportive of. So keep giving us that feedback. We really appreciate it. If you want to reach out to Matt. You can do that on Instagram at Matt Explore and you can send him questions and comments, feedbacks. You can find out where he buys these amazing shirts that he wears. Overlanding. Minor, minor, minor boring. <laughs> I <laughs> wouldn't say yours are boring. I'm just, I'm just a little bit of a compared to yours, they're pretty boring. And then you can reach me at Scott.a.brady on Instagram and provide the feedback. You can follow Overland Journal at Overland Journal on Instagram as well. And we will talk to you next time. See you guys.